Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yep. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. This is one of those days as a broadcaster, you have the show ready to go. And within the last 90 minutes before showtime, everything kind of changes. Some different storylines have popped up. And we are going to talk about those storylines coming up in our opening segment. And they all center around the Fighting Irish football team. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thank you so much for joining me. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We've got our live stream available right now at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. A video feed is rolling right now on the Twitch app. If you have the Twitch app, just go to Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Thursday, December the 8th of 2022. Hope you've had a terrific Thursday weekend right around the corner. And we have, as I mentioned a moment ago, several Notre Dame football topics to get to in our opening segment. Also, in this 5 o'clock hour, our Twitter question of the day, we will take a look back at what was a much more difficult victory for the Irish basketball team than expected. Also, our My 5 question of the day, the top five storylines from last night's Big Ten Conference basketball action. In the 6 o'clock hour, a preview of Week 14 and the National Football League, and tonight... Sports Radio 960. Sorry about that, I hit the wrong button. Tonight, we've got Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football. Man, can I just start the last 10 seconds over? That was an absolute disaster. Take it from the top. 
We've got Thursday night football action on WSBT Radio tonight. It is the Las Vegas Raiders taking on Ben Skoranek, Kyron Williams, and the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. We will pick up Westwood One's coverage tonight at 7.30, opening kickoff right around 8.15 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We will preview the entire Week 14 slate coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll have more on the Irish basketball victory over Boston University. And also we'll have our sports wagering segment at the end of the 6 o'clock hour tonight. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, due to some breaking news, we have several opening pitches for you tonight. Isaiah Foskey leaving Notre Dame early as expected to go to the NFL draft. Notre Dame... Unfortunately, found out today, a decommitment in the class of 2023. It's four-star running back Dylan Edwards. And also we want to talk about another interesting possible quarterback transfer for this Fighting Irish football team. But let's start with Isaiah Foskey. Boston College, no hurry whatsoever. Emmett Moorhead, the freshman quarterback, in his third consecutive start, has struggled mightily today. Drops back to the 20. Isaiah Foskey has him, rips him down for the record-breaking sack. All-time leader in sacks at Notre Dame. Isaiah Foskey now wears that title. He passed Justin Tuck as he brought down the BC quarterback in November at Notre Dame Stadium. And Isaiah Foskey just a few moments ago on social media made the announcement that He is leaving the University of Notre Dame to enter the 2023 National Football League draft. Congratulations to Isaiah Foskey on a terrific career with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. 41 games played for Notre Dame. He finishes with 122 total tackles. 74 of those were solos. 31 and a half tackles for loss. And as we just documented, the all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history with 26 and a half. In 2022, Foskey finished with 45 tackles, 23 of those solo, 14 tackles for loss. And for a second consecutive year, he was terrific in the sack category in double digits with 11. What goes along with Foskey going to the NFL draft? He will not participate in the Irish Bowl game against South Carolina. Not a surprise at all. A guy that has a chance to be a second-day pick, which means second or third round in the upcoming National Football League draft. No sense in risking injury in that bowl game. And as we always document, The entry to Jalen Smith in the Fiesta Bowl cost him being likely a top five pick in the National Football League draft. Foskey at Notre Dame, 6'5", 265 pounds. 
He's got a body that's ready for the National Football League. It's a pass-happy National Football League. So what does every team want? A gun-slinging quarterback. A left tackle to protect those right-handed throwing quarterbacks and their backside. And number three, to disrupt all the passing in the National Football League. Everybody is looking for pass rushers. And Isaiah Foskey appears to be a prime candidate to be an edge rusher in the National Football League. Just to give you a little information on some people's opinions on Isaiah Foskey, Mel Kuyper Jr., probably the most well-known draft analyst. He has done it forever with ESPN. He's got Foskey as the fifth best outside linebacker in this class of 2023. He is behind Alabama's Will Anderson. Everybody's going to be behind Will Anderson. Also, Andre Carter from Army, Michigan's Mike Morris. And also Georgia's Nolan Smith. Now, Pro Football Focus does their own analyzing. They have Foskey as the 27th overall draft-eligible prospect, and he was the number eight edge rusher on their list, and he was behind Anderson, Clemson's Miles Murphy, Smith, Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson, Carter, Florida State's Jaden Verse, and Kansas State's Felix Aruke. Azuma. So no matter what, I think every list we're going to see, Foskey is going to be in the top 10 for lists of edge rushers in the 2023 National Football League draft. And again, you would have to imagine he's a second-day pick. Came back to Notre Dame to work on his pass rushing moves, become a better defender against the run. I don't think what he put on tape this year is going to be enough to vault him into the first round. But with his pass rushing abilities, his raw abilities, he would seem to be a very likely choice to go in the second round. I mean, I can't imagine going past the third round, but I'm not an NFL executive. All we know is Isaiah Foskey had a record-breaking career with the University of Notre Dame, and he leaves as the all-time sack leader, 26 and a half. So this week, the Irish, as expected, two less players on their roster for the bowl game. Michael Mayer, the All-American tight end, also leaving school early to go to the NFL draft and will skip the bowl game against South Carolina. So Mayer and Foskey are out for the bowl game. I guess Jared Patterson would go into the category of someone that could follow in their footsteps and bow out of the Gator Bowl to get ready for the National Football League draft. If, in fact, he goes into the draft this year, he still has one year of eligibility remaining. So, again, Isaiah Foskey to the NFL draft and will not play in the bowl game. Let's go to our second storyline that has developed late this afternoon. It involves Notre Dame football recruiting. In 13 days is the early signing period for the two-part National Signing Day process. Almost everybody 
that has committed to a school signs now in the early signing period, which will be on December the 21st. Notre Dame picked up their 27th commitment yesterday when Braden Hillman, a quarterback slash athlete, a four-star out of Virginia, verbally committed to the Fighting Irish. One day later, Notre Dame is back down to 26. That's because four-star running back Dylan Edwards announced on social media he is decommitting from the Fighting Irish. Now, we had a long conversation about Dylan Edwards on Tuesday because Tuesday was the day that he received a scholarship offer from the University of Colorado. The Buffalo's new head coach is a pro football Hall of Famer and a college football Hall of Famer, Deion Sanders, who left Jackson State to take over a really bad program in Boulder. And apparently he has sent out hundreds of scholarship offers. He told the players in front of him when he met the Colorado team, well, enjoy your time in the transfer portal. He's bringing his own luggage to Boulder. And one of the individuals he is going after, apparently very strong, is the Kansas four-star running back, Dylan Edwards. Now, let's take you back for a second. This is the second time he has decommitted. Back in early August, he decommitted from Kansas State so he could take an official visit with the Fighting Irish. And on August the 6th, Edwards picked Notre Dame. Then he gets the offer from Colorado. Now, is that the reason why he's decommitting today? I think it's fair to say that's the assumption. The decommitment comes two days after you get offered by a Pro Football Hall of Famer, prime time. I'm sure it's flattering. It catches some people's attention. And if, in fact, Edwards is picking Colorado... I'm sure it's a situation that, for him, he might see a quicker opportunity to get on the field. Let's remember what Coach McCullough, Coach Freeman, Coach Reese, what they're putting together right now in the backfield. We've heard Coach Freeman say he wants to be able to run the football no matter what. And after a slow start in that category, Notre Dame was a very effective running team throughout the rest of 2022. And who did they have running the football? Well, mainly coming down the stretch, it was a pair of sophomores, Logan Diggs and Audric Estime. You've got a veteran player in Chris Tyree that's still got a handful of touches. He's back on the roster as far as we know for 2023. So there's your top three running backs all returning. Let's also don't forget Jabran Payne, who joined the Irish very late last year, got a little time late in the year. But that's a guy we haven't had a chance to see get on the field yet that is extremely talented, another four-star. And then a kid who was extremely impressive as an early enrollee freshman this spring was Jadarian Price. Went down with an injury, didn't get to participate. And the 2022 season, this football team loves Price, and he has not stepped foot in game action yet. And you could argue a guy that they love, and I have a feeling won't be afraid to play, is number five on the depth chart as we sit here right now on December the 8th. 
Oh, by the way, you have two four-star running backs still coming in in the class of 2023, Jeremiah Love and Jaden Lamar. That is one heck of a running back room. I mean, seriously. There are Power 5 teams across the country where Payne and Price, who are 4-5 and five on this depth chart I just came up with, they might be 1-2 at the worst 3 in a lot of cases. But this is a loaded, talented running back room. It's not just quantity, it is quality and quantity. So Diggs, Estime, Tyree, Payne, Price, Love, Lamar, that is seven running backs in your running back room. Before Dylan Edwards decommitted, it was eight. And Edwards from Kansas is 5'8", 155, in an Under Armour camp. He ran the 40-yard dash in 4.38. And if you watch his high school film, that number is not fake. This kid is lightning fast and was a touchdown machine in the state of Kansas where he was the Gatorade Player of the Year. So it's not really a trait you can replace, that 4.38 speed. But he has decided South Bend will not be his home, and maybe Dylan Edwards will pick Colorado. We will not know until National Signing Day on December the 21st. He mentioned on social media today that he will sign elsewhere on that date. On three, the recruiting service that is tied in with my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, they have what they call their consensus list. And that brings together the four major recruiting services, 24-7, Rivals, ESPN, the on three numbers. And they put together basically a formula where they average the numbers together and basically come up with a consensus ranking for these players using those four services. Well, the consensus had Edwards as the 170th best player, regardless of position, in the class of 2023, and he was running back number nine. So we're not going to sugarcoat it. This is a loss. That 4.38 speed, hard to replace. Hey, Love and Lamar are high-end running backs. This was just another one that got away. But as I expressed a moment ago, Diggs, Estimate, Tyree, Payne, Price, Love, Lamar, there's a lot of really good backs fighting for playing time. If they had a three-headed running back monster for half the year this year, just think about the three, if there are three next year, that are in that rotation. Who's it going to be? You've got a lot of really, really good choices. And I have to say this, Deion Sanders is one of the greatest cornerbacks that I've had the chance to watch. When he went to the San Francisco 49ers, and back in this time, it was the 49ers and the Cowboys battling out for supremacy in the National Football Conference. I mean, it was big-time, high-end players going toe-to-toe. Aikman, Smith, Irvin. At the end there, you had Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Ricky Waters. I mean, it was a fun time. You just waited for the NFC Championship between the Niners 
and the Cowboys. And Deion Sanders going up against Michael Irvin, the playmaker, it was must-see TV. A shutdown corner against a Hall of Fame wide receiver, it was great, great TV. Again, one of the greatest of all time. Went to Florida State first, of course. We had the same number of interceptions as Lee Corso. That's right, that Lee Corso. He was a really good defensive player in Tallahassee, and he and Dion are together in the Florida State record book. So I have a great appreciation for the playing ability of Dion Sanders. He went to Jackson State to start his coaching career. He said he got a a message from God to go to Jackson State, go to one of the historic black college universities. And he turned that Jackson State program around. He donated a portion of his salary to Jackson State to improve their facilities, but decided to leave Jackson State after a 12-0 season to take the job at Colorado. And now he is handing out scholarships left and right. He is trying to absolutely revamp one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country last year in the Colorado Buffaloes. One of their rare achievements, they beat California in Boulder, the same California team that had Notre Dame down in the fourth quarter at Notre Dame Stadium before the Irish rallied to pull out that victory. There's all this talk that Dion going to Colorado could change the amount of money the Pac-12 could bring in in their next marketing deal, their next media deal. I'm not sure if the world's going to be that fascinated with Dion, maybe early on to see what he does at Colorado, but someone my age that saw him play in college and in the pros, I'm not sure I'm going to be tuning in that much to watch Colorado play. The fascination isn't there for me, and I was a guy that had the chance to watch him throughout his pro and college career. The younger generation, are they going to be tuning into Colorado? Maybe I don't have a good feel, but if I'm not interested, I'd be shocked if they would because they really possibly don't understand how great of a player that he was and how much of a showman he was on and off the football field. A great baseball player, of course, as well, playing for the Reds and the Braves. But to see these college kids get so excited getting an offer from Dion, I'm actually a little surprised. Had he been at a bigger name school and then went to another larger school, I guess I could understand the excitement, but I still think he's got a lot to prove, not to say he's not going to do the job. But if Edwards ends up going to Colorado, maybe it's because there is an easier access to the field earlier on in his career. We all know how these things work. Maybe he was promised playing time right away, or at least the opportunity. Dion could say, well, look at the Notre Dame depth chart. Look at my depth chart. You're number one. I'll write your name in right now. Who knows if that has anything to do with it. But from the outside looking in at Edwards' situation, There's a lot of competition here, and most kids aren't afraid of that competition because coming out of high school, they feel they're the best, and they need to play right away. In this case, boy, you look at the depth chart, holy Toledo. I mean, it's a great, great group, and if Dylan is more about getting on the field quicker, then 
he might find a home that allows him to get on the field a whole lot quicker than he could have here. Could have been a special teams player here to get started. Who knows? Maybe he flies up the depth chart and he's in the top three right away. Who knows? But we won't find out because Dylan Edwards decommits from Notre Dame today, two days after receiving that offer from Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. But again, Love and Lamar, four-star running backs in this class of 2023. And so Notre Dame will take into spring practice and fall practice seven running backs that I think they're going to be feel really, really good about. And those seven guys will all have a chance to make an impact on this fighting Irish football team. You can't play seven running backs. I'm not a big fan of playing three. There's going to be some stiff competition in the backfield this year. So we've talked about Isaiah Foskey going to the NFL draft. Dylan Edwards decommits from the Irish class of 2023. Coming up in our next segment, let's spend a couple of moments on Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders. Is he a serious option for this fighting Irish football team? Could he be the guy coming in to compete? with Tyler Buckner and Steve Angeli for the starting job in 2023. We'll also get to our Twitter question of the day on the way. It is 531. We're just getting rolling. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Thursday on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett on this Thursday evening. Welcome aboard. Opening segment, we spent some time talking about a pair of breaking news this afternoon. Isaiah Foskey, the all-time leading sacker in Notre Dame history, is headed to the National Football League draft. And just like Titan, Michael Mayer will not play in the bowl game. And also... Notre Dame football recruiting news this afternoon. Dylan Edwards, the four-star running back from Kansas, decommits from Notre Dame two days after receiving an offer from Colorado and their new head coach, Deion Sanders. So Notre Dame with 26 players in their class of 2023 that will likely sign on December the 21st. Still two running backs in the class, Jeremiah Love and Jaden Lamar. One storyline that popped up this afternoon that, in a backward way, ties into Notre Dame football. One of the Notre Dame football broadcasters on NBC, analyst Jason Garrett, you probably know him more for being the former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, was a quarterback in the National Football League with the Cowboys. And last year, for the first time, was an analyst on NBC for Notre Dame football games. And also he shows up on the Sunday night NFL shows on NBC as well. 
Well, there's an outside chance that Jason Garrett might be one and done on NBC. This is a stunner. Jason Garrett is reportedly a finalist for the Stanford Cardinal head coaching job. David Shaw, their longtime head coach, recently stepped down as head coach of that Cardinal football program. And Garrett, according to reports this afternoon, he's a finalist. He has zero coaching experience at the college level. Reportedly, he applied for the vacancy at Duke University last year. That job went to former Brian Kelly defensive coordinator here at Notre Dame and Mike Elko, who did a fabulous job with the Blue Devils this year. I mean, he's up for National Coach of the Year. That's how good he was at a basketball school, winning a lot of football games this year. So congratulations, Coach Elko. So Garrett's applied for a job before. Could he land the job in Palo Alto? They have a history with professional coaches. Jim Harbaugh, of course, spent some time as the Stanford head coach, former quarterback in the National Football League. And there were reports that maybe the Ravens' offensive coordinator might get the job out at Stanford. But now there are the reports that Jason Garrett is a finalist. No coaching experience at the college level. That's really hard to believe that Stanford, which not too long ago was a consistent top 25 program, that they would go this route. Hasn't been given the job as of yet, but he's a finalist according to various reports. Garrett was okay as an analyst for Notre Dame football games. I didn't learn as much as some of the prior analysts on NBC. Tony Dungy was absolutely fantastic. I thought he was the best of the bunch recently in breaking down games on NBC. Garrett was okay. I think he gave you some really good information. I don't think it would be a major loss. I think NBC needs to totally revamp their broadcast team because for Notre Dame being a national power, one of the greatest programs, if not the greatest in college football, to have that broadcast team, it was it was a sleepy tea party. And that was mentioned by several national analysts who, like, what happened to Notre Dame football? Tirico had all this excitement. When Mike Tirico talked on NBC during Notre Dame football games, it always felt like a big game. None of the games this year felt big unless you knew it was a big game. It was a very strange broadcast year for NBC. Now, to be fair, no one, and I mean no one, can replace Mike Tirico. He is elite and rightfully so is Going to be, he's going to be the longtime voice of Sunday Night Football on NBC, and he'll get his chance to call a Super Bowl very, very soon. So Notre Dame had the best of the best for a couple of years, and I think no matter what, there was going to be a drop-off, but this was a major, major drop-off this year. So we'll see. Jason Garrett may go from the Notre Dame broadcast booth to being on the sideline facing Notre Dame every year as head coach of the Stanford Cardinal. Can't imagine they go that route, but we'll have to see what unfolds in Palo Alto. 
This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, let's get to a couple of recaps of previous Twitter questions of the day. That segment got bumped from our shortened show yesterday. So let's go back to Sunday when I asked this question. If you were an advisor of Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, or Jared Patterson, what advice would you give them about playing in the Notre Dame Bowl game as they get ready for the NFL draft? As we know, Foskey and Mayer are now out of the bowl game, but I asked the question before we had that news, and I'm kind of surprised by the answer. 62% said their advice would be don't play in the bowl game. It's not worth the injury risk. 38% said... Play in the bowl game. Enjoy your final game with your teammates. I guess for the 38%, I have to ask you how important a bowl game is that's not tied in to the college football playoff. Or even take it a step further, a bowl game that is not a New Year's Six game. Not that that really changes my opinion, but I'll add another element to the conversation. Why is playing South Carolina in this bowl game so important to risk injury for two guys with very high upside coming in the NFL draft this spring? Again, you just have to go back to the Fiesta Bowl and Jalen Smith and that freak injury. He went from a top five overall pick to relying on an insurance policy to get some of that signing bonus back when he went later on in the draft to the Dallas Cowboys. I just don't see the fascination in having these great players play. I understand some say you owe it to your teammates, play with your teammates, but to me there are exceptions, and Foskey and Mayer fall into those exception categories. So I'm surprised 38% would tell them to play. I am totally with the 62% that said thank you. Here's a pat on the back. Enjoy watching the bowl game and get ready for the NFL draft. Then we had a question yesterday. Actually, this would have been two days ago, my fault. Of these three transfer quarterbacks, which one do you hope Notre Dame lands for 2023? I gave you four options, including three quarterbacks. NC State's Devin Leary, Virginia's Brennan Armstrong, Texas, Hudson Card, or I went none of them, which means you don't like any of them, or there might be somebody else you have interest in. In our voting, coming in fourth place is Virginia's Brennan Armstrong at 13.8%. After the 2021 season, had he been in the transfer portal, a majority of Power 5 teams would have gone after this left-handed throwing quarterback who had a massive season under Bronco Mendenhall. He left, new coaching staff came in, and his numbers plummeted. Seven touchdown passes, 12 interceptions. That's for the season. So who is Brennan Armstrong? The guy that was one of the best throwers of the football in 2021 or in 2022 in the bottom tier of Power 5 quarterbacks. Can he be salvaged? I'm sure it's somewhere in between the massive 21 season and the miserable 22, but I'm not sure Notre Dame's in position 
to roll that dice. So I would have put him fourth on my list as well. Third in the voting was NC State's Devin Leary. Leary got 19% of the vote. Now, Leary comes with some injury concerns, had a pec injury last year that knocked him out for the season in October, had previous injuries, has some good-looking stats at North Carolina State, was considered the best quarterback in the conference coming into this year. I think Drake May stole that honor from him. But Leary has big stats and some big injury concerns. He's been tied into two programs, Missouri and Illinois. Missouri, their head coach, helped, I believe, recruit him to NC State. There's also an Illinois coach that has ties to Devin Leary. And Leary's younger brother was a freshman quarterback in Champaign-Urbana this season. But Leary is still a really good option for the Irish. He came in third in this voting. Second place was none of them at 29.3%. Maybe most of those voting just didn't like any of those choices. Or maybe, maybe one of the reasons why people voted that way was they were more interested in a guy that is now in the transfer portal from Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders. Yeah, we remember Oklahoma State from the Fiesta Bowl last January. That come from behind victory by Oklahoma State. Point to that guy, Spencer Sanders, as a big reason why. Now, if Sanders would be of interest of Notre Dame, here's a look at his resume. You get him for one year. He's a one-year option. That's all the eligibility he has remaining. This is a guy with a long history of being on the field in Stillwater. Spencer Sanders, a four-year starter for Coach Gundy at Oklahoma State. For his career, completed 61% of his throws. In four years, 9,553 passing yards, 67 touchdown passes with 40 interceptions. He is also a major threat running the football. In four years in Stillwater, 1,956 yards. And he also had 18 rushing touchdowns. So if you think about trying to match someone's abilities to Tyler Buckner, I'm not saying perfectly, but if you want to be in the same ballpark, you want to be able to run a similar offense, Sanders is an intriguing option. He is a guy that's not afraid to leave the pocket and run the football. Nearly 2,000 rushing yards for Spencer Sanders. Has the deep ball threat ability with that arm he has. Now, he had a shoulder injury this year that caused him to miss a couple of games. But outside of his last couple of games, I mean, Sanders was playing extremely well. He threw nine picks last year. Four of those came in his last game against the Oklahoma Sooners. His numbers from this year, 57.6% completion percentage, 2,642 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, nine picks again, four of the nine in the last game against the rival Oklahoma Sooners. 
Let's go back to the Fiesta Bowl, the last game of his junior year. Notre Dame had Oklahoma State absolutely on the ropes. But Oklahoma State roared back to win that game as Spencer Sanders put a lot of pressure on first-time defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. Mike Elston. I almost said Mike Elko. I had to stop myself for a second and get Elko out of my head. Mike Elston, who is now back at his alma mater of Michigan. Yeah, that didn't work out too well for Elston, as we saw Marcus Freeman with the play sheet in hand in the second half. But in that game against Notre Dame, Spencer Sanders went 34 of 51, 371 yards, four touchdowns, and he also ran it 17 times for 125 yards. So Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese, they've got a lot of personal film to look at from the bowl game against Oklahoma State as Spencer Sanders had a terrific game against the Fighting Irish last year. So as we talk about possible candidates for a grad transfer quarterback for Notre Dame, boy, Spencer Sanders has to be near the top of the list. But going back to our Twitter question of the day, winning the vote, which quarterback do you hope Notre Dame lands for 2023? It is Texas highly recruited quarterback, Hudson Card, who got 37.9% of the vote. Strong arm. He can run the football as well. Intriguing, intriguing player with Quinn Ewers and the new Manning coming to Austin next year. Card had to go somewhere else. Now, the SEC is highly interested in Hudson Card. Alabama, one of those. Alabama faced Hudson Card in Austin. When Ewers went down with a first-quarter injury, Card came into the ball game and nearly helped Texas knock off Alabama, but the Crimson Tide rallied late to win the game by a point. Card is an intriguing blue-chip prospect. Doesn't have the resume that Leary, Armstrong, and Sanders has, but I think you could argue this is the guy that has more ceiling because I think we know who Leary and Sanders is. Armstrong, we may not know just because of how different his two seasons were in 21 and 22, but Card, we've seen small glimpses of him, and there appears to be a high ceiling for him. Just some of the options for the Fighting Irish as they search for a veteran quarterback to come in and help out next year. All right, let's get to today's Twitter question of the day, which was posted this afternoon on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. We go basketball today. Who is the best player on the Notre Dame basketball team? You got four choices. How about the big guy who got poked in the eye last night? Nate Lashevsky, the freshman, J.J. Starling. What about one of those grad student players who's been around here a long time, Dane Goodwin, and a three-year player for the Fighting Irish, another veteran guard, Cormac Ryan. Who's the best player right now on this Irish basketball team? Lashevsky, Starling, Goodwin, and Ryan. Early voting, everybody was getting a lot of support, not a clear-cut winner at this point, we'd love for you to vote. Go to my Twitter account 
It is 9-6-0. Sportsbeat will pass along the results on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat. 5.54 is our time. Coming up next, the My 5 question of the day, the top five storylines from last night's three Big Ten games, and then we'll kick off the 6 o'clock hour as we'll recap Notre Dame getting by Boston University last night at Purcell Pavilion, 81-75. to We'll include some post-game comments from the head coach in his 23rd year of the Fighting Irish, Mike Bray. That's on tap, Budweiser's weekday sports beat. From Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues with the My Five, which is. The top five storylines from last night's three Big Ten basketball games, which included Purdue over Hofstra, 85-66. Indiana defeating Nebraska in Bloomington, 81-65. And this is good news for Notre Dame. Michigan State beat Penn State in Happy Valley, 67-58. Ladies and gentlemen. This is number five. We start with Michigan State bouncing back after losing to Northwestern to 63. So the Spartans lost to Notre Dame. Then they lost to the Wildcats in a surprise in East Lansing. But Michigan State got the job done last night against the Lions, mainly due to the play of junior guard A.J. Hoger, who led Michigan State with 23 points, six rebounds, and a pair of assists. His last game against Northwestern had a good stat-stuffing performance. 12 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists against Notre Dame. Here in South Bend, he had 15, 3, and 3. So, Hogard had 23 last night. And 12 and 15 in his previous two, he is starting to become more effective in this Michigan State offense. He entered last night as the Spartans' fourth leading scorer. Four! Number four, Purdue. Kind of surprising after a really good first half. They were outscored by Hofstra in the second half, 32-31. Now, the Boilermakers had a great first half. It was 54-34 at halftime, but this just gives Coach Painter something to grind his teeth about for the next couple of days in practice as his squad lost the second half, as most coaches would put it. You want to win both halves. You got a big lead at halftime. Let's win the second half. Well, Purdue did not do that against Hofstra. And another thing that probably will give Painter some ammunition for practice, Hofstra shot 47% from the field. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Another storyline from last night's Big Ten basketball action. Indiana over Nebraska with the help of Tamar Bates coming off the bench. After scoring five points total in Indiana's last two games, Bates had 19 points in 24 minutes against the Cornhuskers at the Assembly Hall last night. He was 7 of 12 from the field, including knocking down five of eight three-point shots. He has more than one three-pointer in a game this year, just two times, including last night with five against the Huskers. Number two. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this is a stat line we are going to see over and over and over and over in Boilermaker games this year. The All-American Zach Eady against, hey, let's face it, Hofstra's not exactly going to have two or three guys to throw at him along their front line, but still, Zach did what he was supposed to do, dominate 23 points. 18 rebounds. He's a really good pass for the basketball. Two assists and only two turnovers for the seven-footer last night as the Boilermakers were able to knock off Hofstra 85-66. to Number one. And the number one storyline from last night's Big Ten action, a local product having a great performance for Indiana. Trey Galloway, the junior from Culver, he led Indiana in scoring last night. With 20 points, I don't think anybody would have guessed that because his offense has really disappeared the last couple of weeks for this Indiana team. But last night against Nebraska, Galloway scored 20 points, 7 of 10 from the field. How about 4 of 6 from Trifecta Land? He had 4 rebounds and just 1 turnover in 27 minutes of action. So he had 20 last night. Galloway had a total of 21 points in his last four games. And within that four-game cycle, zero points against Xavier on the road and zero points over the weekend against Rutgers. But last night, a 20 spot for Galloway. And those are the storylines from last night's Big Ten basketball action. We'll talk Notre Dame basketball and their win over BU coming up in a couple of moments. Busy, busy news day. Isaiah Foskey to the NFL draft. 2023 running back commit Dylan Edwards has decommitted from Notre Dame. And we're keeping an eye on Spencer Sanders. Is he a quarterback option for Notre Dame? The gunslinger from Oklahoma State. Sports update coming up in a moment. Then we'll talk some Irish hoops on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Sixteen minutes after 6 o'clock. Welcome back to the program. We're live on 960 AM WSBT. And as you heard, our streaming services plus the Twitch app has a video feed of the program rolling as we speak. Again, our top stories today. Isaiah Foskey, the all-time Notre Dame sack leader, announces he's headed to the NFL draft and will not play in the bowl game against South Carolina. And also Dylan Edwards, one of three running backs in the Irish class of 2023, decommits from Notre Dame today, two days after getting an offer from Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. So the Gatorade Player of the Year in Kansas is back on the market. He says he'll make a decision on National Signing Day, at least the early one, in 13 days on December the 21st. For more on the Edwards story, of course, you can check out 
The work of my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated. The website is blueandgold.com. Of course, they've got stories up on Isaiah Foskey as well. So let's move forward. Let's talk some fighting Irish basketball. Before the Irish took the floor against Boston University, I felt like this was an important get-right game for Mike Bray's squad, only because they had lost two of their last three games. We are inching closer to the start of conference play, and this was an opportunity against a team that hasn't scored the ball that well so far this year, a 5-4 and four BU Terrier team, a chance to put together a nice performance where maybe you didn't have to sweat a whole lot. And it looked like early on in last night's ball game that might be the case as Notre Dame built a double-digit lead in the first half only to see BU battle back. It was 36-29 Notre Dame at halftime, and then before you could get back in your recliner to watch or listen to the second half, BU went on a run and with 17.40 to go in the ball game, Boston University had a two-point lead. You know, they had a young guy by the name of Ethan Britton Watts who played at Culver Academy, had a bunch of family in attendance last night. He put on a show. He had 19 points to lead BU. He was 5 of 10 from the three-point line, and a big reason why the Terriers kind of clawed their way back into this contest against Mike Bray's team. Now, ultimately, in the next six minutes, Notre Dame responded, and they built a 16-point lead. Again, the Terriers would just be annoying enough to keep it close, a two-possession game in the closing minute of the ball game. It was a five-point game. The Irish had the ball. BU didn't foul in hoping of Notre Dame not scoring, then going down and putting more points on the board, then maybe foul. It didn't work out as Notre Dame eventually won the game 81-75, to but BU outscored the Irish in the second half 46-45 and really made them work hard for the victory. And I felt like the Notre Dame offense had trouble being as effective as they wanted once Nate Leshevsky left the ball game as he was accidentally poked in the eye. I thought it might have been the nose, but according to Mike Bray last night, he was poked in the eye. They had to dilate the eye, which means he wasn't coming back in the ball game. It's going to be looked at further, I believe, today, according to Mike Bray. He's, he's feeling like Nate will have a chance to play on Sunday when they host Marquette. But not having Leshevsky in there, it just felt like the offense was not able to be as fluid almost predictable at times, and that just allowed Notre Dame to not get maybe the quality looks I felt like that they had been getting. They missed some shots, and BU just hung around enough to keep this game interesting until the end. And for Leshevsky, coming off a game in which he was one of six from the field against Syracuse and was very disappointing two-point performance in that game. Lashevsky last night in the 26 and a half minutes that he played was effective when he got shots up on the rim. He was four of five from the field, 0 of one from the three-point line, nine points, nine rebounds, a pair of assists, and two turnovers in that 27 minutes of action. But I really think they missed him 
coming down the stretch. And if you're into plus-minus numbers, which is the total points scored, total points given up while you are on the floor, Leshevsky, when he was on the floor last night, he was plus 14, the best by far on the Notre Dame roster, a game that Notre Dame won by six points, 81 to 75. Now, in the first half, picking up where he left off in his previous game, Cormac Ryan was really good again last night in 31 minutes. Cormac hit six of seven shots from the field. He was a perfect four of four from the three-point line, knocked down five of six free throws. Boy, Mike's getting a lot out of Cormac Ryan. This feels like the Cormac Ryan that caught fire in the NCAA tournament last year. Ryan, 21 points, five rebounds, including a pair of offensive rebounds, which is important considering Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of height on this team, are normally not going to have a couple of bigs on the floor unless Leshevsky and Van Allen Lubin are out there together. So the the guards got to chip in and help out, and Cormac is one of those guys that's going to grind at a pair of offensive boards. He also had four steals, three assists, and only one turnover in 31 minutes of action. Cormac was plus nine last night. Then you've got J.J. Starling with 15 points. Trey Wirtz at three of six threes. He had 15 points, four assists, and no turnovers in the ballgame. So the Irish got a well-rounded performance again. Leshevsky going out, getting poked in the eye, ended up with nine points. After the ball game, Fighting Irish head coach Mike Brace sat down and spoke with the media about a game that whew, was a little too interesting as the Irish ended up winning against BU by a score of 81-75. to 75. I didn't think they could shoot it that well from out there, but they certainly did. Some were tough shots, some were mistakes, but I thought, you know, we made plays to win a game and escape. And, and actually, without Nate down the stretch, it was kind of neat to see Ven being a key guy and making some great plays for us. Um, but we were good with the ball. We only turned it over eight times. We, you know, we, we, we handled game pressure pretty good. Comments of Mike Bray from the press conference last night after this six-point win over Boston University. Notre Dame will never be in the category of a lockdown great defensive team. Last year, they were a good, solid defensive team. I think they were better than a lot of people expected. And I think a small reason, or maybe I'm not being using the right adjective, maybe I should go with the fact this guy was really, really good in helping this team be better defensively, and that's Blake Wesley, who played one year with the Irish, coming out of South Bend Riley, of course, went to the NBA draft, first-round pick of the San Antonio Spurs, out with an injury right now. But I really underestimated Wesley's impact on the defensive end. We all know what he did for this basketball team offensively. Blake was a guy that could get his own shot. He didn't need to be set up by his teammate. With his ability to put the ball in the deck, his physicality, he could get to the rim. His quickness could get him to the rim. So he could create his own shot. Late shot situation, shot clock's running down. He's a guy that could create his own opportunity. I think we all saw that. But he was also really good as an on-ball defender. 
And we see Notre Dame having some issues with a team like Marquette that's going to be like St. Bonaventure, according to Mike Bray, a lot of pick and roll. You know, the Irish have had some troubles with that early on in the year. Wesley was really good at keeping the defender in front of him, good in switching. I I think the Irish miss Wesley overall, obviously, but more on the defensive end than I really thought coming out of last year. Notre Dame still struggles keeping a good ball handler in front of them, keeping them away from the rim. Notre Dame doesn't have that one guy along the back line that can, you know, really consistently swat away shots. You know, I, I think Van Allen Lubin, he is becoming that guy. But outside of Lubin, I mean, Leshevsky's not exactly that classic shot blocker despite his size. So maybe Lubin will be that guy that can alter some shots at the rim. But when he's not on the floor, I don't feel like the opposition is overly concerned about at the rim getting affected or rejected by a Notre Dame defender. So it's vitally important to keep the ball away from the rim, but that's something that has been difficult for this Fighting Irish basketball team. And and BU got to the rim, I thought, a little bit more than I expected coming into this ballgame. In the first half, they didn't shoot it great at 35%, but I think they shot over their head in the second half. They put up 46 points. They were 15 of 28 from the field in the second half, and they really warmed up from the three-point line, knocking down eight of 16 shots. So for the ball game, they shot 44%, including 41 from the three-point line, 12 of 29, and that offensive output kept this game a whole lot closer than I expected coming into this ball game, as Mike mentioned, Notre Dame still does a great job. We expect this. I don't know why we even talk about it because it just happens every game. For the most part, they take care of the basketball. Only eight turnovers for the Irish last night to go along with 13 assists. But the Irish shot 49% from the field, 52% from the three-point line, 9 of 17. Cormac led the way, hitting four of four three-point shots. And they got to the free-throw line. 24 times, making 20 at 83%. They made more free throws than Boston University shot in the game last night. So for Notre Dame, of course, early on in the year, they were a six-man rotation. Leshevsky, Starling, Wirtz, Ryan, and Goodwin was the starting lineup. And the one guy that was in the rotation coming off the bench was the Big guy, the freshman, Vin Allen Lubin. Now, he's been joined by the transfer from Niagara, Marcus Hammond, out until the Syracuse game Saturday due to an MCL injury. Still got a brace on the right knee, but Hammond played 18 minutes against Syracuse. He played 15 and a half minutes last night, only scored two points on one of four shooting and had two of the eight turnovers. I think these numbers are going to change dramatically the further he gets away from that MCL injury. I don't know his injury status. I'm not sure of all the details, but if the brace goes away, I think that kind of unleashes him even more. But this is a guy that is a proven scorer at Niagara. You may say, well, it's just Niagara. No, this kid can score against the competition in the ACC. He can score against Marquette on Sunday. 
a quality three-point shooter. I think Mike Bray has a lot of confidence in him passing the basketball. It's funny talking to Marcus. He's like, wow, it's kind of nice. You pass the ball, you get it back because Notre Dame is unselfish. They move the ball. They work for the better shot. So Hammond's enjoying giving the ball up, knowing he might get it back later on in the possession. This kid can score, and I think he is going to be a guy that ultimately can average 10 points. I'll put it at that for this basketball team. Maybe he can do a little bit more, but I think Hammond can be an important piece, and the further he gets away from that injury, I think more Mike Bray is going to rely on him and the more production he's going to get out of him. We know what you're going to get from Wirtz and Ryan and Goodwin. Been there, done that. They've been around these parts a long time. We know the quality of play. We see J.J. Starling continuing to get more confident and confident as a freshman scoring 15 last night. But I think Hammond can still add a lot, and I mean a lot, to this group. I think going into the season, there was a feeling Hammond could be a consistent double-digit scorer, but the injury obviously has slowed him up. So don't give up on him. I think this is a kid that will be – an important piece for the Irish as they go into ACC play and try to make a push to get back to March Madness for a second consecutive year. This was Mike Bray last night talking about going from a six-man rotation now to that seventh man being Marcus Hammond. I, I am, and, you know, I think we got everybody in the game in the first six minutes. And that felt a little unusual. It's new for me. I told those seven guys, I said, fellas, you're going to play. But now I got another body to roll through there. And now, you know, Nate certainly took care of any depth <laughs> with the injury. But, um, you know, but if, but if you notice, the main guys did end up playing. I'm, I'm still getting a feel for that. We know what we have in Ben, and I think we know we have something really good in Marcus and it's starting to show itself in flashes, and we just got to get him in shape. And uh, actually, the two days of practice, Monday and Tuesday, were almost really kind of Marcus Hammond practices. So we could go, and he could run, and he could move. And yesterday we were going, we went, we've gone five on five, 20 minutes both days, and he went like this, I need one. And then he just sat down across in like the first row. And so we're getting them there. We're getting them there. Mike Bray on the rotation he has right now. You look at the minutes last night. Goodwin played a rounded off up to 38 minutes. Wirtz at 37. You had Starling at 35. Cormac at 32. And Leshevsky at 27, of course, left the game getting poked in the eye. And then coming off the bench, Lubin played, rounding it off 19 minutes, and Hammond 16 minutes. Big difference between six and seven in the rotation. He can now give those guards a little bit of a breather. Leshevsky and Lubin, you feel like you want to have one of those two in there at all times to help out in rebounding. Last night against BU, Notre Dame was minus four in the rebounding category, and BU ended up with 10 offensive rebounds in the ballgame compared to only five. For the Fighting Irish, second chance points, Notre Dame 14, BU 6, and points in the paint, BU a slight advantage, 24-22. to But this older team was able to close out the ball game, and Mike Bray's squad was able to move their record to 7-2. and And now with Hammond healthy, Lubin's got the mask off after getting hit a couple of times in the face, unfortunately, friendly fire in practice. 
Mike Bray talked last night about closing out this game and also now being able to change his practice plan a little bit with more healthy bodies. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got it to 15, and then boom, 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 boom. And I thought we fell asleep on some routes on threes, but uh, we figured out how to get out of here. And, um, you know, uh, the, the week has been – I think the week's good for us because we were able to have all 13 bodies in practice Monday and Tuesday and have good reps in practice. And we have a Friday and a Saturday we can do that again. Tomorrow we'll – get our legs under us a little bit. Um, and that was the goal after Saturday. Can we get back to a 90-minute practice with all 13 guys and get after it? And, I, and you know, we've had two days of that and a game, and we'll have another two days of that Friday and Saturday. And we, we need that. We miss that because we were massaging six guys and – and, and, okay, we can't practice today because we've got a game come. And we didn't really practice. We didn't really rep anything. And um, we got to get right back to it Friday and Saturday. Fighting Irish head coach Mike Bray. The Irish win last night, 81-75. BU is 5-5. Five and five. Notre Dame improves to 7-2. and two. Of course, they are 0-1 in the ACC after losing the home game to Syracuse, 62-61 on Saturday. Up next for this Fighting Irish basketball team, the old rivalry comes back, Marquette and Notre Dame. I'm glad Mike reignited this series. Growing up as a youngster, Independence, Marquette and Notre Dame playing just seemed like something that you saw every year. And it's good to have that matchup back. Al McGuire, Dicker Phelps, that was kind of just a a really cool series to watch unfold from afar. We get Marquette and Notre Dame at Purcell Pavilion coming up on Sunday. A 4 o'clock tip right here on WSBT Radio. Tony Simeone will get the pregame conversation starting at 3.30. The Golden Eagles, boy, you want to call them the Warriors after all those years, but they are the Golden Eagles now. Marquette under Shaka Smart is 7-3. and three. They have a highly impressive victory over a ranked Baylor Bear basketball team, and Marquette put it to Coach Drew's team, 96-70. to They also have three other high-profile non-conference games in the books this year, and they lost those three. They lost to Matt Painter's Purdue Boilermakers, 75-70. Mississippi State playing really well right now down to the SEC. They knocked off Marquette, 58-55. And a highly contested ball game. Marquette fell to the Wisconsin Badgers in overtime, 80-77. to When you think of Shaka Smart, you think of high-pressure defense. Mike Bray talked last night about the ball screen offense of Marquette. This will be a good challenge for the Fighting Irish. This is one of those key little sneaky non-conference games that you add to your NCAA tournament resume that could be huge and I mean huge coming down the stretch as both of these teams will try to get to the NCAA tournament. And the Big East and the ACC, you can't just rely on winning conference games this year considering the quality of those two conferences, in particular the ACC. There's a lot of down teams right now in the ACC. You want to pick up some eye-catching non-conference wins. Notre Dame bagged one last week beating Michigan State 
and I would love for Notre Dame to get this game against Marquette. Non-conference wins, very, very important for your March Madness resume. So the Irish will try to get it done against Marquette again, 4 o'clock on Sunday. If you can't, check out the game in person. We'll have it for you here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage coming up at 3.30 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can get more information on the Fighting Irish basketball team coming up at the top of the hour. The first installment of this year of the Mike Bray Show is coming up here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I just found out it was taking place tonight, so we will have NFL football coming up at 8 o'clock tonight with the Raiders and the Rams squaring off on Thursday night football. And when you think about the L.A. Rams, you think about a team coming off a world championship, Matthew Stafford at quarterback, Aaron Donald, one of the premier defensive players in the National Football League, Cooper Cup, who won the receiving triple crown in the NFL last year. Well, this has been a disastrous year for L.A., just three wins. Stafford is on the shelf. He's now on injury reserve. Cup suffered an injury. He's out. And Aaron Donald is being Aaron Donald, but it's not helping this football team. And on that Rams squad, a a couple of Notre Dame skill position players, Ben Skoranek, the former Irish wide receiver, played here for one year after coming over from Northwestern. He has an interesting role. He's almost kind of an H-back or a fullback at times for this Rams offense. And you've got Kyron Williams. The Irish's leading rusher the last two years, fifth-round pick of the L.A. Rams, got to go to the team that he grew up rooting for in St. Louis when they were the St. Louis Rams. And lately, Kyron Williams is getting a chance to shine. He has played in the last four games for the Rams. His first opportunity was November the 13th at home against Arizona, had a rush for nine yards, and also three catches for 30 yards against New Orleans the next week on the road, seven carries, 36 yards for Williams. He also had a catch for eight yards. Then November 27th at Kansas City with a new starting quarterback. They relied on Williams in the passing game as well as carrying the football. 11 rushes, 35 yards for Kyron in that ball game. He also had Three catches for 25 yards last week in the loss to Seattle. Three carries, nine yards, and was only targeted one time and did not record a catch. Cam Akers, the more veteran running back of the group, got a little more involved in the offense again last week against Seattle. So I'm not sure what that means going into tonight's game against the Las Vegas Raiders. But Kyron Williams, 22 carries on the year for 89 yards. He has seven catches for 63 yards. And the Raiders come in as a road favorite, trying to sneak back into the playoff picture in the AFC. Very winnable game against the Rams. We'll see how it plays out tonight here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Money, money. 
show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. I think the Raiders are favored by six and a half on the road. Who would have guessed that at the start of the season? Well, this is our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler here on WSBT Radio. We'll make some picks coming up in just a second. But last night's program was a shorter program, so we did not make any picks last night. But we can recap our suggestions from Monday's program, and the suggestions went pretty well. The first was college basketball, Butler at home, minus six against Yale. The Bulldogs undefeated at Hinkle this year, taking on a very good Ivy League team. We laid the six points and took Butler, and the Bulldogs pulled off the win, 61-51. to The next two suggestions were player props coming from the neutral site college basketball contest between number 17, Illinois, and number 2, Texas. The big guy for Illinois, Coleman Hawkins, a multi-dimensional offensive player, scores, rebounds, a 6'10 guy that passes the ball extremely well. So I went with this prop from DraftKings Sportsbook that Hawkins would total over 18.5 points plus rebounds plus assists against Texas. Well, we were able to pull off that suggestion. He ended up with a total of 29 points seven rebounds, and four assists. The third suggestion from Monday, Hawkins going over nine and a half points. We lost by a half a point. He ended up with nine. And the fourth suggestion from Monday from the National Hockey League, Columbus Blue Jackets and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I went with a total of under seven goals being scored in that game. Little nervous Columbus scored in the first two minutes of that contest, but it worked out just fine. That would be the only goal the Jackets would score. The Penguins won five to one, a total of six, so that was under seven. So we went three and one with our suggestions on Monday. So we're three and one for the month of December for the year 232, 203, and six. We had an underdog pick on Monday as well. And from the NHL, Red Wings are playing well. I think they're playing maybe better than some of the experts expected. But I took Detroit on the money line at Tampa Bay at plus 120, and it worked out. The Red Wings won 4-2 at Tampa Bay. So our underdog picks are now 38-42, and which is pretty good. That means you're still ahead in the units when you're only four below 500 and a wager that's always a plus number. So let's go to some suggestions for tonight, and we'll begin with a Big Ten matchup in Columbus, Ohio. It is Rutgers taking on Ohio State. I'm going to attack the number in this game, the total points. Total points is set at 136.5. I'm going under that total. Rutgers Really good defensively. They shut down Indiana in Piscataway over the weekend. Last two games, the team totals for Rutgers games, 129 when Rutgers played at Miami of Florida and 111 against Indiana. Now, Ohio State has been putting up a lot of points, but Rutgers has a way of forcing you to play that 
lunch pail style of basketball. They love to defend. They'll take their time on offense. So I think Rutgers, even though they're on the road, can control the pace. So I'm going under 136.5 total points for Rutgers and Ohio State. Choice number two. I'm going Iowa minus three and a half at home against Iowa State. There's no reason to pick Iowa. Iowa State's playing better. They're the hot team. Iowa's coming off a loss to Duke in New York City. But the game's at Carver-Hawkeye. And the Hawkeyes can score it. I think Iowa beats Iowa State. will lay the three and a half and take the Hawkeyes. Another Big Ten matchup. Minnesota's just not very good, even though they're playing in the barn. Michigan's got that injury with Llewellyn to deal with. He's out for the year. But Michigan's only laying five against maybe the worst team in the Big Ten. I'll just go Michigan, lay the five at minus 110. And finally, my fourth and final suggestion for tonight. I'm not a big fan of the Raiders-Rams game, minus six and a half for Las Vegas. So I'm going to go with a player prop. Notre Dame's Ben Skoranek. His receiving yard totals at 28 and a half. I'm going to go under 28 and a half receiving yards. He's went under that number in five of the last six games. Now he went over that with 30 in his last game, but I'm going under tonight. And our underdog pick, Blues on the money line at home at plus 105 against the Winnipeg Jets. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Trend Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, this holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. Legacy Heating and Air, Cook Family Business. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. And by Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. This holiday season, protect your family for those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 232-9981. That's going to do it for Budweiser's weekday sports beat for tonight. But again, plenty of sports action still to come. After a break, you will hear the latest from Fighting Irish head coach Mike Bray. The Mike Bray Show coming up at 7 o'clock. And then we've got Thursday night NFL action as we will feature the Las Vegas Raiders visiting the Los Angeles Rams. Thursday night football coming up. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our top stories tonight, Notre Dame pass rusher Isaiah Foskey enters the NFL draft. He will not play in the bowl game. He leaves as the all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history. And 2023 running back commit Dylan Edwards decommits from the Fighting Irish. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 